I'm Steve Serbis, and this is the Art of Fitness. Welcome to the Art of Fitness. I'm Steve Serbis, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Pat Vellner. Pat is a 26-year-old full-time student and part-time exerciser. Originally from Red Deer, Alberta, he spent a few years in Montreal where he studied kinesiology at McGill and left with honors. Pat now lives in Toronto, earning his Doctor of Chiropractic at the Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College. Pat is a CrossFit athlete. He's a self-described exercise racer. Some of his accomplishments. He only started CrossFit right before the 2013 Open. He says he sucked. In 2014, he finished 38th in the Open and finished 5th at the Canadian East Regional. Only the top two advanced. In 2015, he finished 6th in the Canada East for team, finished 5th in the East Regional for team, finished 20th at the 2015 CrossFit Games for team, and finished 14th at the 2015 Granite Games. In 2016, as an individual, he finished first in the Open in Canada East and eighth worldwide. He finished third at the East Regional. He finished third at the 2016 CrossFit Games, making him the third fittest man in the world and the fittest Canadian. Since 2016, he finished first at the 2016 Granite Games, finished first in the Atlas Project competition, and competed at the 2016 Reebok CrossFit Invitational for Team Canada. Something you may not know about Pat, he was a men's artistic gymnast for years. Let's go talk to Pat Vellner. Pat Vellner? Steve, what's going on? Hey, Pat. How you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. Yeah. Uh, so you've had a busy month, busy week, busy last couple of months, huh? How was the uh, Invitational? Uh, Invitational was cool, man. Uh, different kind of a, a competition in CrossFit, obviously. The uh, Working on a team and doing something a little different, working with the people that you've been competing against for the last little while. So uh, it was fun. It was cool to have it in Canada, and uh, we all got along great. It's, it's, a, it's a fun event. It's sort of the the all-star game of uh the crossfit games right so uh there's a it's a fun energy there it's not uh it's not too heavy so it was yeah i was just gonna say it seems it seems like a different energy than than let's say the games or you know when you're really gunning for the prize it just seems more communal am i right definitely yeah i think i think that's sort of the the point of that and it, it this year i think they made steps to try to involve the community a little bit more as well uh, they had the affiliate competition the day before and uh it's it's really, I think, just more about having more access to the athletes and then bringing some of those athletes back out that uh, that the people want to see. So it's fun. Yeah, we, we had a blast. I mean, we spend all day every day hanging out with everybody on all the other teams and whatnot. So it's uh, it's a good time. Fun yeah. way for us to get to know each other a little better, too. Sure. That, that, that sounds really great. What was your highlight of, of the... How, how long was that event? <laughs> it's like two hours. It's quick. It's a whirlwind. Uh, they sort of on the day of the event, they brought us in and we ran through the full event, kind of a, a dry run, uh, just so they could get their timing down. Uh -huh. But we ran through the whole event with the timing as done, and it took about two hours. So then, 
we went and warmed up and then we ran the event and it was two hours they it's pretty mechanical they got it down to a, an art but uh it's quick there's not a lot of not a lot of time to dick uh, to dick around in the back there you're right you're off the floor and then you're warming up and then you're back on the floor so it was so, uh, it, was cool. so it was like a half of the morning of what you're used to at the crossfit <laughs> games yeah well it's, it's a bit different though because i mean at the games you get you might have three events four events in a day but uh they're usually a couple hours in between them uh so you you have time to sort of go back and eat and decompress a little bit and uh get your bearings back but if you in the invitational say for us we had a, a tough go on event one and then you had to go back and just rally instantly and be ready for the next event in like six minutes or something like that so it's uh it's quick it's it's really fast but it's fun it's the thing you they tell you that before you go they're like man it's it's going to be done before you even know uh and it's it's totally true it sounds like it actually sounds like a refreshing pace because you know you you don't really have time to think about what's coming either this it's true that is that is definitely one way to look at it there's if you're the kind of athlete who can get in your own head a little bit you don't have much time to to play around with too much of that you've kind of just got to go and and rely on your training and, and lean on your teammates and that's the way it is. It's, it's tough to, you have the day before I kind of to strategize a bit because they give you the events the day before. Uh-huh. But uh, I mean, you kind of just got to trust each other and, and just go for it once you're there. Well, it sounds great. It sounds like you had a good time and it's, uh, you know, I'm sure that you really brought the, brought the heat. I saw your uh, clean and jerk. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, would be my highlight if I had to pick one. Yeah. Uh, you PR'd, right? Yeah. 10 pounds. And we kind of, that's it. That's pretty. That's that's not a slouch PR either. Yeah, pounds. it was good. I was. I think I was ready for that though. Like I, I probably I hadn't really tested my clean and jerk fully for a little while there, and I I knew I had the space, but uh, we were, we were training like two days before, and I, I matched my PR in training when we were doing a little dry run, and Camille said the same thing. She's like, "Well, that's sweet. That's good news because it just you're gonna." you're going to PR on, on Sunday. So <laughs> and I'm you did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> we're, <laughs> nice. we're standing around. There was a moment we were standing around after my first lift. And, uh, I was going to open like 10 pounds lighter than that too. But the, uh, when I took the floor, we kind of had like time to do one warm up lift and then you were good to good to go. Right. So they, the way that Brent and Camille had set the bar, my plan, like everything jumped up by 10 pounds. Uh-huh. So I was like, Oh shit. Well, like, guess you gotta do I it. Like, yeah. I was like standing back there with Michelle, and I was like, "Well, you know what? Like, that's fine. I'll just do that. No worries." And nice. My first lift went super well. So when we were standing around, and she's like, "Do you want to go for fifty or 55 And I was like, ah, "55. Like, let's go." Yeah. So it was good. It was that was that was cool. It's it's definitely especially I've seen some videos of of that, and there's one I've seen shot from behind, and you can just see like, and I catch the clean, like everybody stands up with you, and and that's like yeah. what I'm looking out to, right? And that's, I mean, it's easy to hit PR lift in an atmosphere like that, I think. If sure. Put anybody out there, they would have lifted heavy. It was meant to be, man. Yeah, it was good. Um, all right, brother, are you ready to do this questionnaire? Yeah, for sure, man. Lay right. it on me. All right, we're just going to jump right in. We'll talk a little bit after each section, but um, I'm going to start off with how many meals do you consume in a day, Pat? Oh, probably depends on the day. Um usually four I think and then I have one kind of smaller snack as well uh yeah 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 and I, in per, in percentages of fat proteins carbohydrates what's your macronutrient breakdown per meal or does it change um, with time of day does it change with training schedule it, it changes a bit with my training because I do 
like the, in the past couple of months, I've been doing more weightlifting, so I've I had a little bit higher protein and fat intake and less carb. Uh-huh. Um, but now I'm starting to get to taper my weightlifting and, and do a little bit more conditioning and, and metabolic training. So I've got my carb intake uh, back up. So I think right now it's something like 55% carbs, 20% fats, 25% proteins okay, mostly. Um, and I mean, I like, I try to follow it as much as I can. I'm working with a nutritionist and, uh, she's got, we have all planned meals kind of, uh, so I follow it as close as I can, but it's going to be a holiday season here soon. So. Yeah, man. And, and <laughs> you're human. Exactly. So. <laughs> you got to, the trick to nutrition is sustainability. So I think that if I try to be too strict with myself, I just won't do it. Right. So you have to allow yourself a little bit of wiggle room to, sure. to survive. Absolutely. And, and how much time do you take between eating and training? Like say you eat, how long do you wait before yeah. you I would depend on um, school sometimes because sometimes I'm I'm at school and I I have I have to go to a class and then go to the gym afterwards. But I think ideally something like an hour and a half um, mm-hmm. because if I'm two or three hours before I I'm, like from the time I eat to the time I train, you start to run out of gas a little bit. Like I I'll eat four meals, but they're not huge meals sometimes. Right. And uh, yeah, if I have to go and, and I'm trying to put in a two hour conditioning session or something or two hours at the gym by the end of that it's been five hours since you ate and you're probably out of gas so right. i do bring some liquid carb stuff as well sometimes when i'm training if it's going to be long like that or if it's been a while since i ate so just just to keep your energy yeah up just or... to keep you moving a little bit it's because it, like it can be wearing and that's the sort of thing that you don't necessarily notice because you're you like your weightlifting is bad or whatever like you feel like you're moving poorly but it just at the end of a week you you just would be run down like you have to sort of stay on top of that so so do you do that by feel like say say you're in a session and you're feeling like shit you just pound some liquid carbs just to jack you up a little bit or is it something that you definitely have measured out and calculated per your nutritionist that's all calculated in my nutritionist uh, plan but it might depend the times that i take things sometimes might change throughout the day just based on what my schedule looked like that day. I might have an extra lab or an extra errand that I had to run. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like two hours behind schedule. So I might take that this meal early or, or, or drink those carbs before training because I know I don't have time to get a meal in, but right. that'll be fast carbs. And then I can go, I can go do my training and then eat afterwards or something like that. So I, I usually have everything kind of measured out for the day. And then when I take everything sorted, we'll, change a little bit depending on what's going on that day and and speaking of uh, training sessions how often do you train in a day um right now like once a day i, I usually i'm doing two d- double sessions a week kind of right now mm-hmm. um and other than that i'm training five days a week and i have one active recovery where i'll probably like i usually swim or try to run just a little bit or bike right and then one fully day off uh and my double days are not like I'm not doing two conditioning sessions in a day. Like I, I would weightlift in the morning and then and then do some conditioning in the evening or something like that and break my sessions up so I'm not spending too much time sitting around. Now, as as your as your year goes on, does does that shift? A little bit. I'd say not not for the open. Um, for the open, I. I I'm probably going to be okay. I obviously, like I said, I'll dial back my weightlifting a bit and start adding in more gymnastics, more conditioning, more whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
and I mean, like, and doing more traditional CrossFit sessions where, like, I'll go in and do a weightlifting piece and a conditioning piece and whatever, and and one accessory piece in a day maybe. Right. But uh, I don't know for, for the open. I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I don't need to really stress my opens. I think, and uh, I haven't in the past, and I've had reasonable success. So, I think it's more about trying to maintain uh, good habits in your training and just make sure that I'm still training. With, with like, again, with the holiday season right before the open, I, you have to set your your expectations pretty realistically. Right. Like I'm gonna be going home to visit my family and, and go spend some time with my girlfriend's family and and. I'm going to be probably not having access to a gym every day and, and whatever. So get out and like cross country ski or, or do a hike or do whatever. Try to be reasonable with the Christmas goodies. But I know that I'm not going to be all the time. <laughs> so right. I think that, that that expectation is big. So when I get back in January, I have to start training a little better or just a little more consistently because you lose that consistency over a, a holiday like that. Yeah. But um yeah, and then I mean January is also a, a kind of bad time for me at school. I have I have a two weeks of exams kind of right when I get back, so then I have to deal with that. And then after that, now it's February, and I have like three weeks before the open starts. So right. I'm not I'm not exactly like training for the open, but I need to just make sure that I'm still training and doing the good things that that I need to be doing. Uh, and what, like, again, what I need to be doing to be successful. You know, it's, it's, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, you know, before you go on, I just want to say that that's, uh, that's, uh, that's very respectful. I mean, I, I, I mean, I respect that so much because I feel as though, um, somebody of your caliber, it's just nice to hear that you don't stress out about it I'm not saying you're lackadaisical about it, but you bring in a very realistic, um, mentality to especially the open I think that for for people who want to go on right I mean obviously you're number three right now in the world and um, you have a considerable track record for the open and for regionals but for somebody who really wants to move on past the open I think that that ruins their holiday <laughs> yeah you know so it's nice it's nice to hear you say that um you know you're you're a person first and uh and you have things to do and just as long as you're staying on point um that you feel confident that's that's pretty cool man yeah i think it's easy to lose yourself in the crossfit world trying to look at what everyone's doing and letting that stress you out but i mean i've had a i'm a student and uh like you're right like i'm a, I'm a person first i need to take care of my own well-being and my own needs before i i take care of my training right um, so I, I mean, it's not that it's not a priority, but it's just, it's in a different order on the list sometimes. Um, and again, like, I think you need to afford yourself those liberties or else you just won't do it. If I, if I tried to train all the time, super hard, you burn out, you, by the time the open rolled around, I would, I wouldn't want to do it. Um, and I think that you need to be able to maintain that balance. Uh, and it is delicate and it's, it's tough to do. And you need to figure out how to do it for yourself, because uh, I mean, the way that I do it's not necessarily the right way for everybody. Sure, and I'd be the first to tell anybody that that what I do is not probably the best way for you to do it. And again, I'm not saying that people. If you're trying to to crack the cusp of making it from the open to regionals, then you probably do need to to focus a bit your training on on the open. Right. And like my my baseline of of my fitness is is maybe a little bit higher than the average person. So if I 
if I don't have to put that extra conditioning piece in every day to, to get myself through the open and I can have more time to do my school and do whatever for that period of time, that's just periodization. Like I can get through the open um, and then focus my training when it comes time to go to regionals. And then like if you come talk to me when I'm training for regionals, my days look a lot different and, and training is a lot more focused and it's a lot more pointed and things are, are busy. Like that's what I'm, I'm training for because at that level, there's very little room for mistakes, uh, if any. And so, I mean, that's just the difference is I, I maybe can take a little bit more of a lackadaisical approach in the open, but I, I still have to show up and, and put everything I have into the workout. I probably won't redo many of them, if any, but I mean, that's just, it depends. You got to be able to identify where you are a little bit and, and what your goals are. Um, and then just tackle tackle your goals from there. Great, man. Thank you for that. Um, well, I, I think we're starting to get a clear picture of, of your mindset, but, um, but let's go into section two. You ready, sure. bro? Yeah, gotcha. All right. Uh, how would you describe your state of mind <clears throat> while training? I know you touched on that a little bit, but let's, let's go past the open. Let's say that that uh, we're getting ready for regionals and in a training session how would you best describe your your state of mind <laughs> for training for regionals um i think i try to keep in mind um who i'm training to compete against and i think that m more and more now even just in general training uh i try to do that just because it it's easy for me to to be relaxed in training and try to have fun and, and try to just go through the motions and it's easy to lose track of that because I don't have any training partners or anything. Uh, I train by myself. Oftentimes in the last while, I, I all of last year, when I go do my conditioning sessions in the evening, I just go do a group class at my gym um, and I might add a piece afterwards or before as like an accessory, but I just join in group classes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, if you do that all the time, you're you're gonna hit the different time domains, the different movements across the span of a couple of weeks, and it it works just fine. Like that's an easy enough way to train for the open because all boxes are programming for the open anyway. Right. So I'm doing that most of the time, but it's easy to just sort of you know what I mean, like take your foot off the gas. Looking at I'm just like beating a weekend warrior at the side of me, or, or some guys who are maybe trying to flirt with the regional level, but I'll win every workout in that gym every time. Right. Right. And it, it's so it, it's hard to sometimes maintain your focus on like, hey, yeah, that was maybe a good score or like, how am I going to approach this workout as a, with a game plan? And and um, I mean, you, you have to try to take a game plan that you think Matt Fraser would take or, or a game plan that you think like think of the best guy at this workout. Who would that be? How would they do it? And then I try to do that more and more. Um, and it, <laughs> let me tell you, it doesn't work all the time because we're all different athletes <laughs> and if I try to do if I try to do like a whatever a heavy barbell workout the same way like Ben Smith or Matt Fraser would do it I'm gonna get ruined but that's that's how I need to try to approach it and then you, you find out where those lines are um, and then next time if I were to do that same workout I know at least what my threshold is so one, one of my coaches recently had given me that as an instruction that whenever I do a conditioning piece he wants me to take an irresponsible strategy and try to do it as like gung ho as I possibly could, because then at least you you figure out where your lines are and uh, like that's being I'm fairly safe all the time when I compete and when I when I train I I take a lot of strategy and I I, I plan my my movements well, but uh, I think at a certain point you have to kind of be able to throw that out the window 
and like get punched and be able to rally. So yeah. I think that in training for regionals, depending on how many weeks you have before your region, um, you can sort of play with those, those boundaries a little bit. And uh, yeah, I try to do that. Just try to think about what everyone's doing and, and uh, how, what I have to do to beat them. Like, again, the reality in my region even is that I have to compete with Matt all year. Right. So, I mean, how I did it last year and I'm, I'm going to do it again, hopefully be right in the lane next to him again this year. And I mean, that's what, that's who my rabbit is to chase and that it's going to be all year. So those are always like fun games to play with yourself. Um, but it gets, it's hard sometimes. And I mean, like I said, I have no training partners. So when I go in and weightlift by myself, it's boring sometimes, right. but, uh, I, I'm starting to enjoy it a little bit more now cause I, I can move a little bit heavier weight, but, uh, it takes time. And I mean, it's, it's tough. I get nervous about workouts and training too sometimes. Even even by yourself. Yeah, just because they're like they're hard, man. Yeah, and they, like they hurt. Sometimes you see something programmed and you're like, man, that's gonna really suck for probably about 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and like you know what I mean. You like pace around and people are like, are you gonna go? Are you gonna start? It's like fuck yeah, I guess I should. But like, the sooner it's I the start, the sooner it's done. But like, I really don't want to start. I just know how bad it's gonna be. So yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I try to enjoy it, and, and I like being at a gym and doing group classes occasionally because that's a big part of of CrossFit is that that community and people are pumped for you and people like to see your success and and sharing it. But uh, yeah, I know before regionals, it's a little more lonely. Um, I guess it's just me there, but but it, it sounds it sounds like that that visualization that you do of of you know putting yourself next to these monsters um, that you are actually your real competition uh, sounds like that's part of the conditioning too. The fact that you're that you're getting nervous for doing workouts alone uh, sounds like a, a huge part of the conditioning for competition. Yeah, yeah, probably. I uh, and I think this last year. Um, I, that probably helped me a little bit is, is that I was doing similar things like that. And then again, having a strong region one more time, I actually got to the games. It wasn't foreign for me to try to chase the best guys or try to stay with the best guys. Cause I did that all year in regionals and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it is helpful. Uh, but it's just hard. You know what I mean? Like you have that extra gear in competition. You have that extra drive when there's someone right next to you. Right. And yeah. I think uh, it's something I miss a little bit day in, day out. But, um, I mean, you do the best with, with what you've got. And it sure. seems to be working out all right. I'm trying not to change too much. but No, you, you seem to be doing great. And, and in competition, uh, speaking of competition, if you could liken your mental state in competition to a type of organic or inorganic substance, what would that be and why? Ooh. <clears throat> um maybe a diamond nice why a bold one i don't know i don't know if, i don't know if diamonds get nervous but um, they're definitely hard as hell that's what i mean tough they're tough <laughs> uh they shine nice uh they're ah what's it? transparent maybe lovely i don't know i'm uh i have a good awareness usually in competition so i, I like see everything that's going on and i uh i don't know i think that yeah, like I said, I don't know if they get nervous. I don't know where that comes in, but I feel like you care about diamonds, and it, my, that's my uh, for being nervous. I feel like if you're not nervous, you don't really care. So that's uh, you have to have a little bit of nerves when you're doing things. So I'd say that tough. I'm pretty mentally tough. I think that I I competed for years as a gymnast for 
when I was younger till I retired at about 20, I think. And uh, I find the competition in CrossFit is, is virtually identical in the sense that you have several events in a day. You need to, like, they may go poorly or they may go well, and you need to be able to move on and sort of detach yourself uh, from what you're doing. Um, you put in your best performance, you have one shot, and it counts, and then that's that's it, move on. So uh, I think that helped me a lot to shape who I am in competition. But no, I'm, uh, I don't know, I competition's competition it's tough it's nerve-wracking you can get anxious but uh i try i tend to do reasonably well in most things uh i don't think i'm a home run hitter but i uh i hang in there with with the best of them well if if it goes viral that people start calling you pat the diamond bell don't (laughs) don't blame me okay (laughs) okay well uh imagine this scenario pat ready you're holding a baby in your right arm and a cooler holding a vital organ to be delivered to a loved one in need in your left arm. You come to a canyon, and the only way to cross is via zip line, which requires one of your hands for you to hold on with. What do you put down? What do you take with you? Go. Oh, man. That's a weird situation. <laughs> okay, first I'm thinking, whose baby is this? And why am I delivering an organ <laughs> via a zip line? Hey, <laughs> seems you know, irresponsible, but don't blame me. I just make them up. Uh, is there a handle on the cooler? <clears throat> there is. I might try to hook the handle on my feet. Nice. And hold the baby and then go. But uh, or maybe see if I can train this baby to hold the, the cooler. <laughs> but that's a tough one. I mean, well, ex- exactly how you're answering is exactly how what we would expect you to answer. You ignored the part of what do I put down and what do I take with you, and you yeah. immediately you were flexible enough to say, how can I get them both across? That's what I was looking yeah. for. Okay, That's what perfect. I expected. You're the man, Pat. <laughs> there we go. Okay, next kooky scenario. A news broadcast just reports that Earth is going to be struck by an asteroid the size of our moon. Although officials have known about this for some time, the asteroid is predicted to hit within 24 hours. This will mean a certain end for our planet. How do you spend the last 24 hours? Uh, it's certain end. We're doomed. Certain end. Doom. Okay. Um, I'd probably try to go visit my family quick. And, uh, and then I would probably try to spend the day with my girlfriend. And uh, we'd probably go get some, some great food and maybe spend some time outside seeing the planet one last time. Then uh, I might watch the do- all the documentaries of planet Earth, nice. just chain watch them, Great. and then I'd probably go find somewhere nice and high to go lay down and, and watch that sucker come in. Beautiful, man. This next one is a two-part question. When is it essential to lie, and when is it deplorable to tell the truth? Essential to lie and deplorable to tell the truth? And that's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Um, Maybe. Maybe a like, little bit. I feel different. like if you if you thought it was essential to lie, it's because you found it deplorable to tell the truth. Hmm. Um, so what I'm is gonna, that moment? I don't know, man. Uh, I try to be pretty honest whenever I can. Uh, I don't know. Maybe like something. Do you do you tell your your niece or nephew that there's no Santa Claus when they ask? Like when is that? When I don't know. I, b- I believe in Santa. I, I have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old, so I'm I'm fully immersed. There you in go. The so that's this is what I mean. When someone if someone asks you how they look, do you do do you ruin their uh, their day by telling them they look bad, or you just you just pump them up? 
don't know. I think that like anytime it's in a situation where, I mean, there's like a neutral, they're not affected if you lie, but the truth would maybe hurt their feelings or, or hurt them. Okay. Maybe it's it's okay to tell them a little a little white lie. I guess that's what they call a white lie. Yeah. I don't know. To try yeah. to be honest, but I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. If benefit all things being equal, if that's all that changes in the situation is that their feelings are intact or <laughs> their feelings are hurt, then maybe it's fine. Okay, great. Uh, who in history, real or fictional, would you describe as resilient? Why that person? Resilient. Yeah. Okay. Um, real or fictional? Real or fictional? Okay, maybe I'll do. Uh, I'll do one of each. Um, fictional. I'm gonna go with Rocky Balboa because I mean they basically made six movies about him being resilient. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the whole thing. It was about him getting beat up and then coming back. Right. Uh, so he was pretty pretty dang resilient. Uh, and real life. There's a lot. I want to try to think of a professional of some kind. Um, Tesla's a good one, I think. Nikola Tesla. Yeah, why? Uh, he just sort of, he battled for so long with like several other inventors, Edison being, I think, the premier, but uh, always had a ton of issues getting funding, getting support for his projects, and I think just because people thought they were so outlandish. Um and in the end, at the end of his career, I think he was—he had no money. He had like he was basically homeless, uh, and just had zero recognition. He's—he's he's very rarely recognized as as one of the greatest inventors of our world, which he is. And I mean, invented things like alternating current, like electromagnetic coils, radio, remote control, like X-ray, wireless communication, like everything we use every day is like traced back through uh through some of his inventions so did he ever he, did he ever sell his patents or were they stolen i think that a lot of them he just didn't patent uh-huh and then other people just sort of just just sold the same thing and marketed them it as their own because he didn't he never patented it just you know what i mean like the kind of guy crazy brilliant right. inventor but just didn't have the business sense probably or the marketing sense to to make any money off of it but just and kept then, on putting uh, it out there. Yeah, and it was just, and that was fine. Like he, he would just. I think the wireless communication thing he just put out and was like, "Hey, everybody can have this technology now." <laughs> and, like this, like that's world changing stuff. Like, so uh, that's pretty impressive, and that guy deserves some respect. Definitely. So Tesla and Rocky, those yeah. are <laughs> polar the, opposites. Polar, <laughs> polar opposites. Who would win speaking in a fight? of no one alternating knows. current, yeah. um, <clears throat> section three. We're going to go into emotions. Oh, boy. Yeah. What is your idea of perfect happiness, Pat? Uh, <laughs> I had it this morning. Uh, when you wake up in the morning and you know that you don't really have to be up for anything for another, like, 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. So you can just lay in your bed and not, not go back to sleep, but just lay there and know that you don't have to do anything. Feels good. That is, that is happiness. It's bliss. What is the opposite of fear? Opposite of fear, uh, I guess there's like different kinds of fear in my opinion, but I'd say maybe like uh, excitement can be an opposite of fear. Curiosity could be the opposite. Um, yeah, see that maybe curiosity is a good one. Oh, I love that you just reshaped that question for me. Um, okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that curiosity, <laughs> the opposite of fear. Um, 
Finish this sentence, Pat. Love is blank. Unconditional. Great. What recurring trait do you notice about yourself that makes you angry? Oh, I'm sure my girlfriend could give you a lot. <laughs> this is you, though. Okay. <laughs> um, probably impatience, I think. Okay. I, I tend to be pretty impatient with a lot of things. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's, a, that's one I'm trying to work on. Okay. Uh, when do you experience sadness? Um, I mean, right now, I, I've been living away from my family for probably like five years. I live on the other side of the country uh, when I moved away for school. So I think that makes me sad sometimes, having that, that long-distance relationship with my family. And um, my girlfriend as well just got into med school this year and moved away. So we are doing that as well. So it's sort of all my relationships are kind of long distance. And that uh, that's that's not the funnest thing. Yeah, that's a bummer. Especially lonely, that's lonely that's how you would spend your last 24 hours. Is yeah, right. Them. That's what I mean. I'd spend half of it on a plane. And then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us about the last time you were genuinely surprised. Uh, on that same topic, probably uh, a couple months ago, my my girlfriend surprised visited me and uh, showed up at my door, and uh, hung out for a week. So that was really nice, actually. That's great. What word or action incites a feeling of disgust in you? Word or action? Yeah. Um, in relation to anything, what word or action okay. makes you disgusted? Uh, so when I see people like blatantly litter. Like you open something and then just like drop some form of packaging outside on the ground. Yeah. That's um, so annoying to me. And yeah. also the word moist for some reason. <laughs> I feel like it just, it makes you sort of feel weird. So uh, let me give you this scenario. If somebody jumps out of their car and drops a moist napkin on the ground, how, how would that make you feel? I mean, do they say moist though? <laughs> I hate this moist, moist napkin. napkin. Yeah. Take this moist napkin, Earth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'd probably curl up in a ball. <laughs> uh, what? Um... All right. Section four. We're gonna go on. All right. All right. This is a final section. Okay. What is your definition of the spirit? Of the spirit. The spirit of a person, obviously. Yeah, anything. What what is that word uh, inside in you? Uh, I don't know. I'd say that the spirit of someone is kind of what what shapes their personality and when who they are, right? So, I think uh, that's just sort of your your fundamental unis. Whatever I'd say, I guess your personality would be the closest word I could think for that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What happens to us when our bodies die? Um. I think that's it. I think you're dead. So I think you better try to enjoy your life and make the best of everything you've got while you've got it. Name one event in your life that you can most closely describe as a miracle. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's tough. Everything's a, a miracle. Man. In, like in I, what way? What do you mean by that? I, they're just when you if you if you step back and think about um, odds of things happening or, or how. Let's say something as simple as this call right now. Like everything that I've done and you've done leading up to this point in your entire life led to this. Mm -hmm. So that's there's pretty wild odds for every little thing being born, like the the planet existing. Like there's just 
you have to excuse me. I watched Cosmos the other day, so <laughs> it's great. But uh, <laughs> I think things like that, like they're just the odds of things happening the way they happen are just are shaped in every moment that you do and everything that you do, right? So uh, I think when, if you if you try to think about how you got to where you are, it's a series of amazing events and an amazing life that happens all the time. So. Uh, I think that's cool. Like just life in general is such a miracle in the, in the way you get around and, and do things day to day. And the fact that every single person walking around in every city has their own story and their own, their own series of miracles and events is pretty wild. It's beautiful, man. When do you feel most connected with creation? Uh, I guess when I'm outside, if I've gone, I, I grew up out West in the mountains. So uh, I think, being out in, in the mountains, out in nature is, is nice. It's when it's quiet and when it's, uh, there's not a lot of, of human interruption. I think that, it, I, I like that, that, that feels nice. Like a nice calm. What is the thing that is the closest resemblance to absolute truth in your opinion? <clears throat> to absolute truth. Um, I don't know. I think um, I think that when people say that you can make your own luck and that uh, like a positive outlook in your life can make a make a big difference can get you pretty far. I think that anything that you do, if you work hard, you can at least achieve a certain amount of uh, of success in, in wherever you are, and it doesn't matter where you start. But uh, I think that people appreciate hard work and positivity, and those are a couple things that you can't really you can't really uh, beat in a person, and I think that if you're if you're positive to the degree of being annoying, and you're and you're willing to put the work in, then you're you're going to go far probably in your life. Thank you for that, Pat. The final question. All right. Why do you feel you were put on this earth? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think probably I, I've yet to to really figure it out. I think that you've that's sort of everybody's job is to find uh, find their thing and find their niche and and try to do the most good that they can with whatever abilities and skills that they have. So maybe I, I haven't exactly found it yet. I hope I'm on the right track. I I can exercise fast and I'm in school, so that's <laughs> I, hopefully that's not it. But. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of the game, right? Everybody is uh, is, is got to find out what what they love and what they what they think that their life can be best served. So, I think I'm on my way, but um, not quite there yet. I don't think. Pat Vellner, thank you so much for coming on, dude. You are uh, no joke, a diamond. You are a gem. <laughs> I appreciate all your answers and I pre appreciate you being so candid and uh, answering these questions and taking the challenge of this questionnaire. Um, before we go, though, is there anything you want to say to my audience? Any parting words, any bit of advice? Um, I don't know. Just keep at it. If uh, people are, are trying to change their lives and, and be more fit, then uh, it doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen in a week. Uh, it's something that you never stop working on, uh, just self-improvement in general. But don't be afraid of it. I think uh, there's no better investment you can make in your life than self-improvement, if it's whether it be fitness or just daily living. So 
uh, yeah, I don't know. Don't be discouraged. Stay at it. Awesome, man. Is there is there any way, anything you want to share, anything coming up that you want people to check out? Uh, how do they connect with you on the interwebs um, if they're um, looking for more inspiration <laughs> from Pat Vellner? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself an inspiration, but I think if you want to give me a follow, I have uh, an athlete page on Facebook, which is just Patrick Vellner. Uh, I have my Instagram, which is at P Vellner. And uh, I try to post things now and then, and uh, and hopefully people are listening. But um, other than that, I don't know. I mean, as far as recent or, or stuff coming up soon, I, I don't think there's much because next thing for me will probably be the Open. Um, and I'll we'll see about what goes on during the open. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm probably just as scared for it as everybody else. So, well, we, other than that, I'd just say everybody enjoy your holidays. Don't stress too much. Have some fun. Drink some eggnog. Do something, do something like that. Spend some time with your family. Don't worry about this stuff too much. Great, man. Uh, I can't thank you again, uh, enough. Thanks, man. Good luck with the open. Good luck with regionals and good luck in the games. I know we'll see you there again. Um, thank you, man. Take care. Thank you, Steve. All right, brother. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Pat Vellner is a human first and an athlete second. He's a man who adapts to his situation and is committed to self-development. He has found and has confidence in his own way of approaching his education, his relationships, his training, and his life. He listens to himself and has developed an awareness of his needs and has prioritized them. He trains and competes at the highest level of his sport and does so in solitude. He visualizes. He studies his competition. He understands his own inadequacies. He is grounded and realistic, experiences the moment, and has a solid foundation of close family ties and values his relationships above all things. Pat sees the wonder in existence. He believes in the power of positivity and hard work. He walks in discovery. Patrick Vellner is an artist. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. If you dig what this show's about, please subscribe to it. And if you really, really, really dig this show, write a review. Thanks a lot.